Welcome to Why We Marathon, a podcast diving into the deep motivating factors for why people choose to run marathon races. I'm your host, Alex Ellman, and today we have a very special guest right ahead of the Boston Marathon, Austin Prario from Boroughville, Rhode Island. How are you doing today, Austin? Good. How are you doing, my man? I appreciate the taking the time today. It's great to talk with you. Definitely. You too. And I'm excited to share your story. I think it's probably going to be one of the most inspirational ones we've had so far, along with all the other great guests I've had to date. So let's let's dive in here. I'm curious, how old are you and, and what are you doing during the day? So I'm a 24. I work for a consulting company. I'm a HR and payroll coordinator. And, uh, you know, after after COVID and stuff, I, I'm pretty much home now working full, full time from home. And uh, I like to get out exercise when I can on lunch breaks before before work and stuff like that. So you know, it's definitely still still a great hobby of mine to go running. And uh, it's something that, you know, it really keeps you going every day. You know, you kind of have to definitely. get in at least some sort of exercise for sure. And you got to get out of the apartment, which is now everyone's office, their kitchen, their gym. It's it's all all in one these days. So so tell me a little bit about your first marathon race. Yes, my first marathon was the 2017 Boston Marathon. Um, and it was it was something that I'll never forget. Uh, Boston's been a big part of of my life uh, growing up, and uh, 2017 w- would have been my first. I was the youngest person in Rhode Island to to run it, but uh, I was actually the first person ever to run it with uh, three functioning heart chambers. Um, so that was an even bigger deal for me. And it was it was just an unreal day to get there. And I started in the 8:30 heat with the uh, medically impaired. Um, and I remember standing at the start line and, and you, you would never know I have a heart condition if I have a shirt on or anything like that. You know, I move, walk, talk, just like everybody else. And, uh, I saw this, this guy come up and, uh, he was a veteran, you know, he had, he had a veteran, veteran shirt on and he had, um, his left leg w- was gone. Um, and he was holding a flag with a bunch of quotes from other soldiers that he, he worked with. And I went up and gave him a handshake and stuff. And then I was like, thank you for your service, you know, what you're doing and stuff like that. And right then and there, I was like, this race is so much bigger than what I thought it was going to be. It's one of the coolest things. And to see someone like that, I was like, you kidding me? This is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Have your first marathon be Boston. I mean, let, let's take a step back here though, as well. So you said you had a heart condition. Were you born with it? Was it something that so later in life? Yeah. So if, if it works for you, I'll lead up to the whole buildup of 2017. Um, so it all started seven weeks before I was born. Um, I'm from Rhode Island, lived here my whole life. But uh, my parents were asked, I'm the, I'm the oldest of three. And my parents were asked to bring me up to get a uh, like an ultrasound seven weeks before I was born. And uh, they were saying how my heart wasn't forming correctly. And I was only going to have three functioning chambers as opposed to four. You have four. And um you better have four once you get checked out. I'm just kidding. But uh, I was born in June and the doctor was giving all sorts of things like, hey, he'll never be able to keep up, you know, athletically, cognitively, things like that with other kids. So you really have to have a different lifestyle for him and things like that. He's going to have a very different and difficult life. And everyone knows Patriots Day in Massachusetts is when the marathons run. It's a huge deal. And Patriots Day is usually around six or seven weeks before the beginning of June, which is my birthday. So the cardiologist had used the Boston Marathon as an example, just saying, you know, I'll never be able to do something like, I don't know, run a marathon. And my dad, who's a big runner, said, no, 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 no. My son's going to run a marathon someday. Like weird, freaky, like that obviously had no idea. And uh, he just said that. So then the, the doctor I was born, your dad was a runner, you said. 
Yeah, so, my, my father's a runner. Yep. And uh but the doctor didn't come, know that. He just sort of No, he didn't know that. He just yeah, he just asked him and my dad was like, No, my son's gonna do that. You know, not having any idea. He just wanted to, you know, didn't want to think like, hey, his son's gonna have a bleak outlook and stuff. So I had my first open heart surgery at three days old. Um, then I had my second one at eight months and my third one at 17 months. And, you know, I, I was doing well and everything, but my parents wanted to give back and kind of use that marathon motivation to do it. So my dad ran for Boston Children's Hospital and what is now the Miles for Miracles team, uh, it wasn't Miles for Miracles back then, it wasn't as big, but he ran and he had a, he had a team of himself and my uncle, his brother, and called Gotta Have Heart. And he ran it to raise money for congenital heart defects and for the cardiac unit. And when we got to Boylston Street, everyone who's run Boston knows Boylston Street's, you know, crazy. That's the finish line. It's one of the coolest scenes in the world. Um, as he got there, my mom walked over to the fence with me and he picked me up and we crossed the finish line together. And I have a picture of that in my room. Actually, it was taken out, put in the living room. It's usually up here, but it's in the living room. And I always looked at that. I had it next to my bed my whole life. And I said, someday I'm going to do that. You know, someday I'm going to do that race. And I was slow as anything. So people who listen to this and say like, oh, you have to be fast for a marathon. That's not true. When you hear my marathon time in a little bit, you'll be like, wow, I can smoke him. And you're probably right. But, you know, my first chance at running, I did the elementary cross country team. My dad said, hey, go out there, try it. You know what I mean? And we had 66 runners in each race. I came in 66 place every race, dead last every race. But every time I ran, he was there on the sideline cheering me on. And, you know, I was, I was breaking my personal best and things like that. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was 3.1 miles, which now I look back and I say, oh, 3.1, that's an easy Friday, you know, but uh, I know that was, marathon runners, anything, you know, understand yeah. sort of a cupcake. You, get, you get cocky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So then I, then I went on, you know, and stuff like that. And then it came to 2017 and I said, well, quick, quick question on the, uh, on the cross country running. Did you have any fear, yes. you know, sort of going in with your, with your heart condition, you know, where you're constantly being monitored by doctors. And then I'm really impressed, you know, that had to be sort of morally, you know, not morally, um, you know, sort of your morale at the end of the day, you're coming in last every time, but you kept doing it. That's pretty amazing persistence there. Yeah, it definitely was one of those things where you look at it and you're like, hey, I'm definitely the slowest person here. But if anyone knew my story, it's kind of like, hey, this is better than like if if like if you looked at someone else with my condition, you'd be like, holy cow, how did he do that? You know, and for someone like me, I was just so proud to finish to be able to say, hey, my body can push myself. I can push myself to that limit right now. And, and it was something that, that I really, you know, looked at. And, and as I went through high school and things like that, I used to get you know, embarrassed at things like that. Like I'd be slower than everybody in the mile time for, for high school sports or basketball and things like that. I wouldn't be able to keep up as much, but the real key to training for this 2017 marathon was adapting to my body and kind of having it specifically made for me and how my body is going to get to the finish line. Cause that's the thing for, for me, it wasn't about, I'm never going to meet, I'm never going to beat, you know, the, the top guys. I want to be able to complete this and say I completed the marathon and became the first person to do it because regardless, I'm going to be the fastest to do it. If I do it first. You know? Oh yeah. That's a good mindset. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, going through high school and stuff like that, I, like I said, I, I was a little anxious and, and depressed with things like that. And I, I know you can relate to that. So that's what, that's why, you know, what drew me to this podcast was it was, it's just so incredible to see how running helps so many individuals, not only physically, but mentally, that's so important. 
So, so we got to 2017 and it was the summer of 2017. We had gone up to Boston for just like a day trip. I think we were maybe going to Red Sox game or something like that. And I was eating a cannoli from Mike's pastry and we were at, on Boylston street and I saw the line and I had said, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that next year. And everyone was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And my dad was like, you better get your ass in shape. And I was like, no, I will. I'm going to run it. And everyone was, you know, kind of just took it with a grain of salt, whatever Austin's talking, you know? And then yeah. I kept calling the hospital and I kept calling the, the Boston Children's Hospital Trust and the head over there, Allie Felcher was like, all right, well, why don't we start you off with like a half marathon or something like that first? You know, I said, no, 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 I'm going to do, I'm going to do the full thing. I'm just going to go all out for it. You just started with a full, that was sort of your, your strategy. That was a, it went from 3.1 miles in cross country wow. in fourth grade to Boston in 2017. That's amazing. So I said, no, no, I'm going to do it. So I kept bugging her, kept bugging her. And eventually she was like, I, you're on the team, you know? So, so, the, and that was my goal. I wanted to raise money for the hospital that saved my life. That's amazing. I mean, that's just, I think, you know, sort of coming full circle there, right? Giving back to the people that helped you at the beginning there. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Now, did you have to put together a very specific training plan with your doctors or how did that sort of work? In so it really plan? wasn't with the doctors. It was more with my dad because he kind of knew just from raising me how to push my body and what levels I could be pushed to. So, like I said, I come from Barville, which is like a really woodsy place. I mean, on our runs, we'd hear shotguns from the turkey farm. And then we'd hear, you know, we'd run by, you know, horses and cows and stuff like that. So it's it was really bad country. We'd see like three or four cars. Definitely. So we'd learn how to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely very different. So we'd so we'd uh, we take my dog, Maya, who's a Samoyed, like big, white, fluffy thing. We take her. I mean, she got up to 21 miles in training, like with us. Like, that was nothing for her. She, she'd run circles around us. But he, we kind of adapt it to a way of how far can my body be pushed until we'd have to partially walk or kind of stop and let my blood reset, kind of let myself catch my breath. Now, if you think about it, I always try to use it rather than getting into crazy, crazy medical terms for people. If you think of it like a bike tire and you, you're on a bike path and you see a parent with a bike and then a child with a bike. You see there, the, the parent's tire going once and the kid's tire, he's going much faster. It's rotating a lot. So in order for my heart to catch up, it has to work you know, three times as fast to get to that one cycle that you're going to get to in that one rotation of the bike pedal. Now, I also have what's called baffling in my heart, which is bad blood coming into the heart, which causes low oxygen. So deoxygenated blood gets in there. So your oxygen level hopefully is around 100. That's usually what the average person is. Mine on a good day is 84, 85. So I'm working with that to try to keep that going. That's so in order day, to, yeah. On a good day. That's interesting. Um, you know, I remember when my mother was in the hospital, she had lung, you know, non-smoking lung cancer. And we always paid close attention to the oxygen her last few days. Um, and, you know, under 90 was was really risky at that point. So that's, yeah. amazing, right? that's on, wow, that's, um, I mean, that's incredible on a, on a good day, you're only in the eighties. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I've just, but that's the thing uh, you look, you get people look at it from the outside and say, how do you do this? Cause you're breathing like that. I took it as this is my daily life. I don't know anything different. So I'm just going to have to train it in a way that I can do it. So my dad would push me and we would train and basically see how far my body could go without stopping and trying to catch up and trying to catch myself. So we'd learn how to do it on Hills and things like that. So one of our big targets for Boston was if anyone's ever done Boston, you notice the course, the first five or six miles is pretty downhill. So at that point, you really have to take advantage of the downhills and the flats and, and keep up your pace. Cause then when you hit heartbreak, 
for those four or five miles, that's when I, that's when I was trying to catch, you know, and kind of catch up. So that's what we would do for training is we'd go on these back roads and these hills and things like that and work through that. And I mean, we'd, you know, my mom was a school teacher in town and, you know, she'd leave Gatorades along my route and drive back to school and teach kindergarten. I'd run by her school, wave to her, you know, and, and then that's how we learned how to do it, you know, because you have to make practice perfect. You know, it's always kind of, that's, I'm sure you do the same thing with your long runs. You treat them just like that race. Definitely. But you, you have no margin for error, it sounds like. Yeah. So that, so that's the big thing is it's all right. There are other individuals who, if you look at their training plan, it's, Hey, I'm just trying to get close to my time. Mine, I was trying to go as at the best pace I could each time I went out to run to kind of get my body used to working at that sort of element. And Boston's also funky because in new England, it's cold training months. You're training from December to April. And then on April, you're in a tank top at the race, usually, you know, so in December, January, February, you're loaded up in gear, gloves and all that sorts of stuff. I mean, you got sweat freeze on your face, you know, so, so it's definitely, I'm sure you know that from New York. Yeah. Yeah. It changes the dynamic of your training. Now I'm in Los Angeles. So it's always nice. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Never mind that. <laughs> no, but you're totally right for New York. You know, it really changes the dynamic as you're preparing for the race. And as then you're to your point, you know, it's sort of a totally different feeling when you step up there in a tank top versus your training gear. You know, yeah. And also like, I mean, in LA, you probably are used to, Hey, I'm running the sun all the time. This is great. Where if you came to a cold weather climate, it'd be, well, this is a shock for my body. What's going on? So how did you, know, you so, adjust the, to that difference, you know, from your training runs to the actual race day? So adjusting to that, it was trying to keep the body temperature kind of the same as it's going to be for the race. Whether I was dying of sweat in the winter, I still had layers on to keep my body warm, to try to train to be warm and uncomfortable because I knew it was going to be like that in the, in the early spring. And it actually happened in 2017. It was like the second hottest marathon in, in like 22 years or something like that. So I ended up working out. Like they had that one year that was crazy, like in the 80s. This one was low 70s. I actually interviewed the winner of that marathon, Jack. Oh, Cole. that's crazy. The, the race for the hoses, they called it. It's the hottest yeah. uh, marathon on record. And the people, um, I think, where was it? One of the suburbs, you know, started bringing out their garden hoses to spray down. Oh, yeah. Them. That's just, that's nonsense. So you had to deal with the second hottest marathon on record. Yeah, and your heart condition. How did there you, were people? How did were people pass the race? Out? Sorry, how did you get through the race? I mean, those are two. It was that goals. that was all mental. And actually, it's funny. On top of that, so my dad got a guide bib. So because I was I was impaired, he was able to pace me. And we went to the expo, feeling great. He got that. It's uh, Easter is Sunday before the race in 2017 and my dad's like i'm not feeling too hot gets a stomach bug night before the race can't hold anything down anything like that so he goes to my brother the morning of marathon monday and goes no matter what happens we got to get austin across wow so he, my brother's like all right Is whatever a runner too he he runs cross country but he's more of those guys he's i mean he'll, he'll be the first person to tell you i just like taking three three mile jogs i don't really want to push myself yeah <laughs> So my dad starts to go, but he can't hold anything down. So he makes it through the 13 miles. Then my brother has to basically, you know, tag team in, jumps the fence and is running the last 13 with me to keep me going, you know, That's getting my gel packs, getting my water. So it was just a weird day, you know, and I remember driving up there and I was on the cover of the Providence Journal that day. And my mom bought every, every copy 
at Cumberland Farms. Every copy. That's amazing. Because I the picture's different on all of them. I just love how involved your whole family is. Your mom's leaving Gatorades out. You tag teaming and your brother, your dad. Oh, my God. See, it's it's so funny because, like, you know, the jersey behind me says Austin on the front. And I know you had said that in, in the beginning. You said, hey, if you run a marathon, put your name on the front. Absolute great advice. But it really should say Prairie on it because it really was my whole family. You know, it really was a whole family effort. And, you know, I might be the face of it and, you know, I might get the time and get the credit and things like that, but there's no way I could do that without the, without everybody else. Help me with training runs and food prep. And, you know, like I said, you know, delivering Gatorades and just the whole day, it's just a whole family thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And to see them there was, was so cool. Um, you know, at the, at the start line. And then we saw them a couple of times throughout and then obviously at Boylston and, and like I said, I started off well and everything like that during the race. Um, I was hoping to get around five hours and 15 minutes. That's what we were planning out, uh, roughly. And I was at that pace at halfway through. And then I died out in the hills. I was, I was, I was hurting. Um, my ankle, my ankle was actually worse than anything. Um, a few weeks before training, I had hurt it doing a handstand push-up because I can't do handstand push-ups. I was just trying to be a dummy doing handstand push-ups. And I actually tore all the cartilage in, in my ankle and uh, I didn't get it fixed. I didn't know it was torn or anything. So uh, they gave me a, um, what are those shots that they give like the pro football players? The, um, the numbing shots? like the Yeah, they just gave me one of those before the race and I was on my way and then it wore off. And I was trying to, you know, get feeling back into it and stuff like that. But, but I ended up finishing 2017 at six hours and five minutes, which for me was a PR and it was, oh, it yeah. was a record. It was a record at the time. And I, you know, it was so cool. I mean, runner's world was there to interview me after, but I didn't care about anything other than seeing my family. And I remember taking a big picture with them and it, it was one of the coolest things. And, and the craziest part of the whole thing was my dad had to jump out halfway through. And my whole thing was to take that picture of he and I crossing the finish line. I wanted to take that and put it next to it. And the security people at Boston, obviously because of you know the tragic events that had happened, security is pretty high over there. And they had heard about that I was coming in and they had heard about my story and stuff and let him through to the finish line. And I'll never forget that, like seeing his face and giving him a hug. And we were both crying. And I told him, you know, I did that all for him and, and thank you. And it really was, I mean, I did it for myself, but it was for my family and for the, for him, he believed in me and I never put limitations on myself. And we would argue back and forth growing up at things, you know, he pushed me at things and I'd say, you know, I can't do that or things like that. And I just am so grateful for everything he did because, and it pains me because everything now I have to say, Oh, you were right on that. You know, as a kid, you're like, Oh God dang, you know, but he was, you know, Aaron, it was just really such right. an, yeah, yeah. It was just such an awesome moment to, to have that with him. And, and my brother and stuff and, and and my mom and my sister it was it was one of the something that i'll absolutely never forget it's amazing um, i mean clearly running has really bonded your family together you know sort of the shared absolutely and goals um you know which i do think happens with marathon running because you realize you know friends come out to support you your family cheering people are making yeah for you and um you know it's one of those few times in life um where you know really everyone is just there to support your goal and your mission and you yeah. know, I want to go back to your time because you know six hours. You know, you sort of said it like you know, it wasn't great, but you know, I think at the end of the day, you're running for yourself, right? And yeah, you know, you're never gonna get it. I'm not gonna get a sub two hour marathon. You know, my goal is sub <laughs> four this year. I'm hoping to break yeah. 
but at the end of the day, you know, finishing is a huge accomplishment in itself. So I think, you know, obviously you should be very proud of that. Now, now what did you learn, you know, about yourself after you ran this marathon that maybe, you know, you didn't know beforehand? After I ran the marathon, I realized that people put a lot of limitations on themselves through either whether it's fear or I, I really do think a lot of it's fear or just lack of I, I really do think it just all come back, comes back to fear and, and maybe afraid of failing or something like that. And that's the thing. I mean, especially when you're out running, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know, if you're, if you're out in a crowd or something like that, it's, it's nerve wracking to kind of say, Oh my God, I'm going to fail or anything like that. But that's why I think running is so important and anything like that. That's why track is one of my favorite sports. I threw the javelin in high school and stuff, but um, I think it's so important because it's you against you, you know, you could have the best, basketball player on the you could have LeBron James and four other guys and your team's probably going to do well because you you throw them the ball but when it's running it's you against you and there's no one you can look at to either say hey I had a bad day or they had a bad day they missed a shot things like that you are who you are and that's okay to be slow be fast be whatever you want to be it's just you are who you are and you can't hide behind it which I think is so cool and I think the more people realize that 99% of the population is just like me or, and probably pretty average in running. You know, they're never going to be Mo Farah or Usain Bolt or things like that. They're always going to be, you know, those weekend warriors who go out and run, you know, miles at a time. And, and you know what? And I always used to say, when I started running, I used to wonder if the, you know, if the three or four cars that passed me on the country roads out in Barville were wondering, oh, he's really slow. Rather than now, when I look at runners, I say, he or she's out there. They're working hard. I'm sitting in this car. Oh God, I just came from, you know, breakfast or something like that. I got to get working. I got to get out there. Yeah. It's always inspiring to see other runners out there. Yeah. I try to give a little thumbs up or a smile when I'm jogging, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's also fun now. I think just to think what, to your point on people driving, I'm always like, can I run that far? You know, if I'm going for like a trip, that's 15 miles. I'm like, I, I could run there if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is so funny. And, and I just love that that look on it. And it just, it really, I mean, the, the, the highs you have from running are unlike anything you'll ever have in your life, you know, and it, and it really does just show you that you can do, you can do anything in life, whether you're trying to lose weight, just trying to be fit or just trying to go out and clear your head. Mm -hmm. It's something that really, there's no medication that can match medication, movie therapy, anything that can match what running feels like, whether, and, and that's the thing you, you can hate it for every minute while you're running. And I bet you there are a lot of people listening who do that. Mm -hmm. But when you're done, the, the sense of accomplishment is incredible. You feel on top of the world, no matter what you do, whether it's one mile or whatever, you did that. Hell and yeah. that's what's love, so cool. I love that mentality. Um, Austin, I really do love that mentality because I think it, you know, running is, is physical, of course. And to your point, you know, you're dealing with a crazy heart condition, um, you know, that makes the physical even more, you know, cl close to impossible, I'd say. Um, so it's really amazing that you overcame that, but the mental side is definitely, is definitely a big part of running. Now, how many marathons have you run since that 2017 marathon? So I ran one again in 2019 for different reasons this time. Um, I'd be happy to get into that if you, yeah, yeah, I'm curious. yeah. Well, um, what changed sort of your perspective after the first one and, and why did you yeah. decide to go again? So 2017, I was living my best life, you know, uh, you know, just, just, just did the race was in college doing all that stuff. And then 2018, the summer 2018 kind of took a turn. Um, I had a TIA, which for uh, most people who aren't aware, it's a mini stroke. 
Um, I literally went running an hour before I had it. I was at work and all of a sudden at work, I felt really faint and dizzy. And uh, I went to go get a thing of water and, and I sat down and the other employees were like, are you okay? I sat down. I said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, I'm just going to go home. I, I don't feel all that great. And I remember taking a nap and, and telling my parents, I said, hey, can you wake me up in like an hour? I don't feel all that great. And when I woke up, I had no feeling in my left side. Arm was gone. Legs were gone. All that stuff. And I couldn't feel anything. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And after tests and MRIs and neurological, all stuff like that, they had said you had a TIA, which is a, a, a mini stroke. And at that point, that was really where my anxiety took a new level and, and, and it kind of went up. And I mean, I remember being, like I said, 21, you know, crying on my parents' bedroom floor because I was so afraid to go to sleep or so afraid to do anything, so afraid to either have a stroke or have another episode or something like that. I wouldn't eat. I, I couldn't sleep. Um, and I was just an absolute mess of anxiety and things like that. And in order to help get not only feeling back into my left leg, but help my emotions, I just went on little, little runs or little walks, nothing, nothing crazy at all, you know, two miles, four miles here or there, try to clear my head and stuff like that. But then it'd go right back to that point where it was, it was, you know, the anxiety and, and the, the panic attacks and things like that. And, um, and, and I think that was so important to me to kind of, look at myself and say, wow, okay, I'm trying to help myself, just trying to help myself the best that I can. And that was something that I took, it took a long, long time. And then I realized, you know what, I'm going to go out and try to help myself and, and, and start running. So I wanted to run the marathon. I said, you know what, I'm going to help get feeling back in my leg, help just clear my mind. And I started training for 2019 Boston. Now this time I said, you know, I, I, the last one I did kind of for myself, but this one, for myself and my family, but this one, I'm really interested in having other individuals um, be a part of this. So I said, this time I want Boston Marathon has, uh, but not the Boston Marathon, sorry, Boston Jones Hospital has squares, like a checkered uh, uniform. So I said, for the checkers, I want to put other kids around the country with congenital heart defects and run for them. And if they saw a picture of me crossing the finish line, it's just like me seeing a picture of myself as a kid crossing that finish line. And we got, I mean, when I say my mom put it up on Facebook and I had help from my, one of my good friends growing up, create a video and we had thousands of responses, so many videos coming in. I mean, pictures of these little kids from all over the country. We had people from Ireland calling. I mean, we, it was, it was absolutely incredible. The, that's the amazing. support we got rallying. Yeah. Rallying people from all over the world. I mean, that's, amazing. yeah, it was amazing. And to see the, the families, you know, say you've inspired us and we know, you know, our, our son or our daughter will grow up and, and have a normal life and things like it was unreal. And that was what was so different and so cool about that race. And, um, you know, I went through that race with, with my dad again, and I PR'd um, by 19 minutes in 2019 for that one. So it, that was fan It felt so good. And I just, you know, just seeing the, the the other families and know that they're not alone. And it just helped with my anxiety and things like that. And, and it's funny because I used to look at anxiety and say, you know, it's anxiety. Some you, maybe you can just get over it. Cause I didn't have it. Like, I didn't deal with depression or anxiety as a, as a little, little kid. But then as I got older, and especially after the stroke and things like that, 
you know, and I'm, I'm such, I, I try to be such an advocate for it now because mental health is so important. And, and I know what that's like to just be in such a dark hole and not want to do anything, you know, and, and I tell anybody, you know, now, especially going through the COVID things and things like that, get out, try to take a jog. And I'm not saying that's going to cure everything, but it really can just make such a difference. And it, and, you know, these two races have really just showed me the power of people. You know, when, when people have a common goal or when people have a mission, you can accomplish anything. And, and good people come together all the time. I know we have a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but good people coming together, it's, it's just one of the coolest things, you know? Completely agree with you. You know, I've been surprised um, just when I posted, you know, on Instagram and on Facebook, my donation link, you know, for this year, I'm raising money for Memorial Sloan Kettering for New York City. And, you know, people just, random people that, you know, I haven't talked to in years donated, some colleagues that I just met for the first time, you know, last week even donated. Um, and it's really amazing to see just that support that you get. And, you know, clearly you and your mom are doing some amazing things, by the way, you guys should be really proud of yourself because just to get so many people from different walks of life and different areas, you know, around the world to support, yeah. you, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I, I must say that's, that's awesome. Do, do we want to bring your dad in? I would love to maybe, maybe chat with let him. Let me, uh, let me see if he's available. Do you, yeah. do you mind like taking a brief second? Yeah. We'll pause for a second. Yeah. All right, cool. Let me see if I can go grab <laughs> one second. I'll be right back. Hey, how are we doing? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. What's your name? I'm Dave. Dave. So uh, we have we have Dave, Austin's dad, joining us, sort of impromptu. We, we didn't plan this out at all, but Austin said you were home. And I'm just amazed by this family story. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, Austin was telling us about even you know, his mom leaving Gatorades on the running paths for you. Um, give us just a quick overview of your story. You know, How did you get started running? And a little bit about you and Austin running together. I'd love to hear um, I used to basically just go and run to kind of, to, you know, keep in shape through like high school and stuff. And I just kind of kept it, you know, running for a bit. Um, you know, I had all the brothers who kind of go out and, you know, we're a pretty competitive family. So, um, you just kind of keep doing that kind of stuff to stay in shape. And I kept doing it through when I started at work, just could realize I had a desk job. I was like, man, I can't just sit inside all the time. I've got to get out and, and do stuff. So I used to go and run maybe, you know, four miles a day at my lunch hour or something. Um, then when we had, oh, we were on the verge of having Austin, um, we had gone up to Boston and like seven weeks prior, they had told us that he was going to have uh, severe congenital heart defect. And that, he, you know, and the quote that they had said to me was, um, you know, he'll be able to go and run and do a lot of other, other you know, normal kid stuff. He's not going to be a varsity athlete and stuff, but, and he's never going to be able to do something like run a marathon. And that was in April, right on the verge of the Boston Marathon. So I said, no, he's going to run one. So that was kind of, you know, he's going to cross the finish line with it. So, you know, it was too late to do it that year. So the next year, um, I got to go ahead and run it. And my brother trained with me and we just kind of went out and, you know, took him through it. And then Is that we... your first we, marathon, by the way? Uh, no, I, um, I always had... I did one in 1994. I was like 23 years old. I'd never run more than 10 miles in my life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up and run a marathon. Because you know, one of the guys at my work was doing it. And I, and I did it in 340. That ended up being my fastest one. Um, Power it was funny because I used to just go and run it at work. And I never ran on the weekends. I, I never ran more than, um, I think, six miles for that one in training. I never ran more than 10 in my life. And you know, I used to just be an active guy. So um, just got up for the sake of doing it and got up that morning and drove up and ran it. Um, but this was obviously a lot more meaningful. So, you know, we raised money for uh, Boston Children's um, in that first year. Um, 
and there was there was no better feeling or no better event in the world than, than something like that and it was it was really awesome that you know my wife met me at the finish line and I got to go ahead and cross the line with Austin so you know didn't allow you you obviously couldn't push a baby jogger or anything in the way you know they didn't allow that which that was my initial goal um, but I totally understood them saying like hey that's not really feasible you know I'm not it's not like I was Dick Hoyt or somebody you know really famous yeah. doing that Still, that's um, uh, that's incredible, and just to have that picture is is a really unbelievable photo there. What was it like, you know, when you found out that news about Austin, um, you know, and sort of your did you have a lot of fear, you know, about about raising him? And then to your point, it was almost like let's let's prove these doctors wrong, or sort of, or just you know, I want Austin um, to run a marathon. What was sort of going through your head there? Um, absolutely, the initial thing was, was fear, and it's kind of like, oh wow, I never expected this to happen to me. Like, you know, I've always been, you know an athletic guy and stuff like that. I always try to keep, you know, keep healthy, you know, don't, don't, don't drink, don't smoke and, you know, eat relatively healthily. And, um, my, my wife's a very healthy person too. Um, so I never kind of expected it, but then once, um, we got the news, we said, well, no matter what, we're not going to go and coddle them because how is that going to help anybody? If you have some adversity, the last thing you want to do is then baby somebody. So then not only do they have the adversity, cause that's not going to go away. Um, but now they're not going to have the fortitude to go ahead and try and persevere with other things. So we try to expose them to a, as many things as possible. Um, you know, some some of the things he'd, he'd cringe at the time. They're like, oh, dad, why am I, you know, why am I asking me to do this? But, you know, we always used to like hiking and stuff. So when he was 10, um, he hiked Mount Washington with us, which was a huge, you know, a huge challenge for him, never mind going to elevation. But we would always be mindful about what we were doing and kind of watch him and you know, they told me, say, he's going to have restrictions just like anybody. He just might hit them a little sooner. So we would kind of learn, and I'd always watch him and know what I thought he was capable of. Um, but like with anybody, you have to push all your children. It's just he might have had a slightly different breaking point. So that's a great approach. I, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, adversity helps, you know, teach you the best lessons in life, you know, whether it's, you know, death in your family or just, you know, overcoming something like a, a heart disease. Um, you know, that's, that's where you learn, right. Those, those sort of adverse moments there. What was it like training with Austin though? You know, sort of you, you've done a few marathons, but then, you know, you sort of got to be cognizant of his heart disease as you train. And, and what was it like just being a father's son running? You know, unfortunately my dad doesn't run, but what's that like? That was actually pretty awesome. Cause I mean, when I was doing my other marathon, I never really I don't think I ever ran more than 40 miles in a week. That was including when I did like a 20 mile, because I mean, so I was never a really big runner. I did it more for conditioning. So this was something different because he actually had a lot more discipline doing it than I kind of expected he was going to have at first. Um, like he took it really seriously and he followed his program. And um, I kind of just, just tell him, Hey, look, you, you go and you, you bite off a little bit at a time. And at first, you know, he would have to start jogging and then, you know, he'd always get a little bit fatigued. So we'd have to walk. So I said, all right, that's fine. That's expected. So what we're going to do is go a little bit slower and we'll see how, if we can lengthen the time until you have to stop for the first time, just a little bit, take off small chunks. And he would still have to go eventually, you know, be doing the stopping, but he would progress all throughout that. So he would get his endurance up and, you know, after a while, his feet didn't hurt and stuff when you, when you're landing and hitting the pavement all the time. Um, but he would gradually be getting a little bit more endurance in between each stop. And then we'd even have certain things like, you know, everybody slows down going up a hill. So, for, but for him, his heart can't go ahead and, and just, you know, command extra oxygen when he wants, like you or I would do. So I said, well, why, why beat yourself up going up a hill? Just continue to move. So when we stop, we, we don't, we might stop running, but we don't stop moving. 
So rather than killing yourself to go up the hill and not really gain much, when you get to that hill, we'll just try and power walk it. And that way he didn't um, get fatigued mentally from it either, because that can really be very discouraging when you're doing something like that. So we, we'd pace it and we'd say, look, this is when we're going to attack, uh, you know, or down a hill, we'll try and make up a little bit of the way. Um, and and we'll, we'll try and make the most out of any break that we get. So it, it really kind of worked well. And he really, um, he really grasped the concept of what we were trying to do with that. And I think it was very easy for him to, to have somebody running alongside him. Uh, he wasn't a conversationalist during it because it's it enough of a, enough of a, a, a drain for him to be doing that. So I basically have to carry the conversation. Um, so sometimes you feel like a dad lecturing, you yeah. know, go, hey, hey, we're doing this. And, um, you know, but I he picked up I, some good tips and life lessons along the way there. Absolutely. And it would be something which you really learned a lot about um, what he needed. And he learned a lot about how to uh, listen to what his body was telling him. He kind of learned that, okay, hey, you know, at certain times I have to make sure I do hydrate and stuff. If, it, if you don't wait, it's, hey, it's too late. So we'd have like those little uh, chews and stuff that he would eat along, along the way. We'd hit a certain, you know, two miles in, we, you know, you know, we, we'd know it was kind of trial and error. The first couple of times we weren't sure he might have eaten a little too fast or something, but he learned how to do all that type of stuff. And that's something which um, carries him through this, this summer. We actually got to go hiking, doing something where, you know, he was hiking the White Mountains and we did some backpacking and, you know, we did a couple of strenuous trails and he was able to go and know, you know, know how to gauge it and realize, hey, look, you're not going to get it right at once. You know, and everybody, one of the biggest things I could say, um, we tell him that everybody has limitations, just depends on, on where yours is. I mean, there's one person who's the fastest in the world. Everyone else isn't a bum, you know, it's just we all have different degrees of being slower. And I said, you know, you, you find out what your goal is and you try and go and, and, and attain that and you measure yourself against yourself and you try and beat your own performance. You know, you don't worry, you, know, you can't beat the next guy if you if you can't go ahead and compete with yourself. Yeah, and it was well, kind of a healthy way. You know, it's amazing that uh, you weren't in the room during our podcast and you almost said verbatim what Austin told me earlier. So that's he, he definitely he definitely was listening during some of those long runs with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that was just great, too. To, I mean, what else are you doing in the wintertime? You know, you, yeah. can't, you can't hang in and wait for football to come on. So, you know, we'd get up and we, we'd train at the time. So his body would be prepared for when it was going to be asked to perform on race day. Um, so it was great. You know, it, it, was, it was just nice to be able to have your kids be motivated too. you know, it's tough enough to have kids be motivated to do anything nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, um, to have someone be motivated to do something that's such a challenge in the wintertime. You know, when, when it's terrible and cold out and, you know, we'd get our, our Samoyed would go out there and run with us, you know, so, she, so she'd be out there going up to 20 miles. And um, yeah, it was something that I would never forget. I mean, it's. That's awesome. Um, so let's, let's flash, you know, uh, flash forward here to race day in April of 20, April, 2017. Right. What was, what was it like to see Austin cross that finish line? Oh, that, that was the best. I mean, the worst thing is of all the days I ended up getting a stomach bug. On, on the day I was, I was supposed to be running with him. So I started out, you know, I tried to eat like a bit. It was literally that morning, just throwing up all night, feeling horrible, um, totally drained. And I, I made it to, to the halfway point with him. And then I didn't want to slow him down because I know how challenging it can be. If you throw someone off their game, especially someone who's not a natural runner, if, I, if he had to then stop and break his rhythm for me, then I wouldn't have been able to forgive myself for that. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, his younger brother's in good shape, too. He just jumped in and kind of, you know, he, he finished it up with him. Um, and at first, it was so difficult to get through to the finish line. 
you know, because all the extra security and stuff like that. And I was going to be almost heartbroken. I was going to be able to see my son cross because, you know, but then fortunately he ended up having enough of a difficult time with his ankle that it bought me a little extra time and they let me go through um, and to get to give him a big hug at the end was, was really, um, it was one of the nicest moments of my life. That's and then I got, I got another chance to do it with him two years later. That's where beautiful. we finished together. I mean, that's really amazing. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, 20 plus years of hard work and dedication, you know, and, and to your point, overcoming adversity and just paying off at Boylston Street. Um, so really, thank you so much for sharing your story and for jumping in here. Um, and we'll wrap things up with Austin now. All right, great. My pleasure. Good luck with everything. <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Take care. You too. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Wow. Talk about a, a father-son duo. I absolutely love that story. Yeah. I'm thinking now I got to, you know, find some interviews that are more family-oriented. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So, so now let's, uh, let's wrap up the interview with Austin here. We just sort of have a few speed questions that we like to ask at the end here. You know, I'm curious if you have any pre-race rituals, um, you know, anything you do to sort of psych yourself up for the race um, and music-wise, or do you listen to music during the race? What's your playlist look like? So I, I don't listen. To, I didn't listen to it the two marathons. Two Boston's. I, I got the crowd. Um, I love, which I know you do too. I love classic rock. Um, Clean, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Love those guys. Billy Joel. Um, all those guys. I mean that that's the way to go. Um, I feel like my dad was an Boston, old little Dropkick Murphys. You got to throw. Yeah, definitely shipping <laughs> up. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, before the race starts, the first song before I go for a run or before the race, before I take out my earbuds or before I start the race, it's um, public service announcement by Jay-Z because Tom Brady ran out to that every time he played for the Patriots. Oh, <laughs> I always awesome. had, to, I had to copy what he did. So I'd run out to that because that's what he ran out to. <laughs> I feel like you and your dad are full on New England. You both got the accents. You got yeah. the Tom Brady jersey behind you. You're listening to his walk-up music. I absolutely love sort of that, that Northeast. Yeah, my, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend uh, had to become a football fan. And now, now she's like, all right, is it me or Brady here? <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Hey, well, now he's in Tampa, so hopefully that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so she, she, she's easier. number one always, but uh, you know, Tom, Tom's a close second. <laughs> Good answer on the podcast there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. She can come back to this anytime she wants. Gonna you know? say she's going to listen next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you, Lauren, very much. <laughs> there you go. I love that. So, who, you, you know, you mentioned you train with your dad. Do you train with anyone else? Do you run with people from uh, Boston Children's Hospital and any other sort of training? So they have some amazing coaches up there um uh coach dan uh shout out to you i i bug him sometimes you know and stuff like that uh and um you know every everyone it's just a big community up there at the hospital you know kind of everybody goes back and forth with the facebook group messages and things like that kind of checking in on people's runs and stuff um but as for running like i always feel bad like my dad was saying i don't really talk a lot when i run i just kind of do my thing um, I wish I wish I was more of a social runner, but I'm definitely quiet, head down and do my thing. I love that. And and how about recovery? I'm curious, you know, especially with your heart condition, how do you focus on recovering after the race? So a big thing for recovery, I have a uh, like a Theragun. Those are amazing. That was one of the best investments ever that I saved up for that. And I'm like, oh, man, it's sweet. Um, you know, go through all the muscles and things like that. Um, stretching and stuff um it, it was was big 
and I do a lot of um, fruit fruit purees. It's almost like not even like a smoothie because I try to like save calories. I literally just throw a bunch of uh, fruit into a blender, make it like baby food basically, and just drink it. So I don't have to sit there and eat the fruit. That's one of the biggest things. I mean, and then chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is my favorite recovery thing ever. Just sitting down and have a nice glass of chocolate milk. I look forward to that after every run. That sounds lovely. We'll have to get you in a got milk commercial or something like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> I think Tom Brady did one back in the day, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I love that, Austin. Um, first off, thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, really inspirational. I'm, I'm really hoping our listeners out there realize, you know, if Austin can do a marathon with three chambers in his heart, I think, you know, there shouldn't be any other excuses out there. You know, if you <laughs> want to do it to your point, Austin, you know, it's, it's mental, you can do it. And, you know, also, I think we discussed today a lot that, you know, everyone's on their own level, their own pace, and that's okay. And, you know, finishing is, is a huge accomplishment in itself. So, so congrats on that again. And I love ending the podcast with this just question, you know, the podcast is called why we marathon. So just in two to three sentences, you know, why do you marathon? So I marathon for my family. And that's just not, that's not just, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, that's for my beautiful girlfriend, Lauren, and our future kids. You know, I want to be around for a long, long time. And, be able to raise them and, and give them what my father gave me, what my mother gave me. And I'm a big family guy. And, and just to have a healthy lifestyle, not even, you know, trying to be this big marathon runner, just trying to stay healthy and be my best mentally and physically every day for them. And um, just live a long, happy life and see some cool miles along the way. And, you know, I think that, I think that's the best thing. And, and I wish everybody out there, you know, the best of luck with everything. Alex, I appreciate everything you're doing, you know, for mental health and physical health, you know, trying to get runners out there and, and you're a real inspiration to show people that, you know, you can come from wherever you want to come from, but anybody can do a marathon. Anybody can be healthy and live a great life. And, you know, mental health is so important. Physical health is so important. And, you know, I, I try anyone to run, no matter what pace you run at, you're still out there doing the work. So thank you for everything you do too. Thanks so much for the kind words, Austin. And thank you for sharing your story. I'm really excited to get this out there uh, for the Boston Marathon. And thank you for all my listeners out there. Really appreciate it. It means so much um, for all of you to leave stories and reviews um, for the podcast. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at why we marathon and visit our website, www.whywemarathon.com. We'll always have additional stories and photos there. And I'm definitely excited to share some of Austin's uh, personal photos with his father. So thanks again, Austin. And thank you for everyone for listening.